Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Sabres and Amherst are in lockstep these days, Marty, with the time winding down in the final 20 games of the regular season and playoff berths at hand. What was it like for you as a youngster in the AHL managing individual expectations and team goals i would say my first year was all team goals and i i didn't have that great of a first year and then i was sent down to the east coast hockey league when i came back up i saw the board and we had a chance to make the playoffs um and we did which was my goal right get to the playoffs uh it didn't matter what individually i was doing my second year both of them were both of those situations were combined like if i knew i played well and I got myself closer to the NHL. We were going to have a good team, and we did have a good team. So there's different aspect of it, but usually your personal gain is the team's gain, uh, unless you are on a very bad team and you only care about yourself. Amherst head coach Seth <laughs> Appert, our guest on Sabres Live Overtime. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The Sports Book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Seth. How are the kids doing? <laughs> My children or the Amherst children? <laughs> it feels like you've had a large group of young people all year long. How are they? They're great. Uh, we we are young, um, especially in terms of uh, how many of our go-to guys are, are teenagers um, or were at the start of the season. So they're doing really good. Uh, the improvements that we've seen from Yuri Kulik, Isak Rosin, uh, Tyson Kozak, Alexander Kiskoff, uh, Philip Cedarquist. I mean, it's been remarkable. Um, Kulik and Rosine have developed into go-to players. They're they're playing huge minutes. There's a lot of nights right now that they lead our forwards in minutes played, um, which is just incredibly impressive at 18 and 19 years old. And they're producing offense, uh, but they're also playing uh, really well away from the puck, uh, especially compared to where they were in October. Uh, their their habits, their detail, their willingness to win puck battles and play good defense. Uh, and, is, and Kulik is finding the scoreboard a lot more right now, but I think Rosine in the last six games has either hit the post or made a pass that hit that led to a post, I think like eight different times. Um, so he, he um, as good as Kulik is playing, Rosine uh, might even be playing as good or better, uh, just not always translating to offense right now. But uh, it, it's been very impressive. Uh, it's a real credit to the work ethic of those guys. I am amazed. And I always have to remind myself, Kulik is a 2004 birth year. Like yeah. he's 18. He'll be 19 in April. I mean, that is crazy to me with what he's been able to do. But so, being that he's a young 18, where do you see him like in, in his path to the NHL and things that he has to work on and 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 improve while some other things that are this is already NHL ready? His shot is NHL ready. Um and his shot keeps getting better. It's probably, you know, like like Jack Quinn. Uh Jack had a really good shot coming in. Uh, Yuri had a really good shot coming in. 
now they're fine tuning it. Uh, they're realizing it's not just about blowing it past the goalie. It's deception. It's changing the angle. You know, it's funny. Jack Quinn texted me after that goalie scored against Tampa and said, that's a, that's an Amherst shooting room goal, you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and just, just, you know, cause, cause he realized that, that he can't just shoot it past pro goalies. You, you need to deceive pro goalies. Um, so those are the fine tuning things that, that Kulik is going through right now. And now you're starting to see him score a lot more, but he's also scoring more cause he's putting himself in better position. He has the puck more. So what he has to keep getting better at is, is he has to, you know, be a, stronger on puck battles. He's way better than he was in October, but he still has to grow in that. It's not just one effort or two effort. When he gets low and strong on a stick, he's really powerful. And sometimes young players can, can get a little upright or one hand on the stick. And, and then what he's learning is if you lose that puck battle, you might spend the rest of your shift playing defense. And, and he and I have a joke. Um, when we watch video together, I said, do you like playing defense? He's like, no, I do not like defense. I'm like, no, exactly. <laughs> so, so win the damn puck battle. So we don't have to play defense. Right. So, um, so he's growing in those areas, how he's hunting pucks down for checking and he's connecting the dots on the better his habits are away from the puck, the more he gets to have the puck. Um, but he still has to have growth in those areas. And then Nick Craven, our strength coach is fabulous. And, and uh, I've put him in touch with the U S national team strength coach. Uh, this guy I hired at USA when I was there about putting weight on young kids in the season. Um, you can gain strength in the season. It's, it's not normal. And a lot of people talk about just trying to maintain, or you try not to lose too much but you can put strength on, you can put lean muscle mass on players of this age. You just have to train hard and, and put a lot of extra time in. And, and uh, uh, Nick Craven's had great con conversations with the USA strength coach. And uh, all of those guys have added lean muscle mass this season, uh, which is critical, critically important for them as they move forward. Yeah. But how much does Kisikoff weigh now? He's not to where we need him yet. Um, he's he's still too too light. Uh, and and when when I go buy him at breakfast, I tell him to take more scoops. Um, so you know, and with with Kisikoff, you know, I think we're trying to be a little, um, you know, trying to a little progressive. You know, Kevin and Jason and I have talked. He right now we're sitting him in certain games um, because we need to lift him more um, because his mind and his stick skill and his creativity are, are near NHL caliber, but his body isn't. So we need to attack the part that's biggest, the biggest thing preventing him from getting there, uh, which is his strength and his, his muscle mass and, and, and how much he weighs. And so um, you know, right now for, for him, because of his weight, you know, game, it, the common notion is that game development comes in games actually development comes in practice video weight room through failure and so right now sometimes games are less important for Kisikoff, um even though we're still playing him in a decent chunk of games and we're spending more time with him in the weight room now uh, brian mccutcheon who was my coach with the rochester americans said he was told to gain weight all he needed to do is have a couple of beers at lunch uh, your team's too young to get <laughs> to, to have beers at lunch so um how has has it been for you as a coach to be able to, you talk about talking to a cool about defense, but the communication, like these young kids, like they're a total different breed of 
of human being as when we were and the next generation between us. Um, how has the communication been with the young kids? Are you like TikToking it and you know all of that with them, or or getting involved in their shenanigans? Um, I only do TikToks with my daughters. Um, okay, so, that's good. So, uh, I'll I'll leave the TikToking to the guys. Um, you know, actually, Marty, I don't think kids are that different. I really don't. Okay. Um, uh, you know, coaching at USA, um, coaching college, and. And now here and we have a young team, um, you know, I think that I think sometimes the demand, what we ask of kids, uh, what we hold them accountable to as parents, teachers, coaches, I think is different sometimes uh, than it used to be. But I think kids are pretty similar. Um, and I think if you if they know you have their best interest in mind and at heart uh, and our coaching staff, I think, does and, and tries to earn that trust from them, then you can be pretty demanding of them while still having fun with them. I mean, it needs to be fun. It's a game. Uh, the rink should be the most fun place. The players come every day. Even if I'm being hard on them that day, the rink should still be a fun place. And I think the biggest thing early, like I'll give an example with Kulik. I was being very hard on him in practice because his habits were poor. Uh, he wouldn't screen the goalie. He wouldn't stop on pucks. He looped a lot, you know, things of that nature, normal stuff for 17, 18, 19, 20 year old players. Um, and I would make him redo things, uh, drills that he, he doesn't like angling drills, things like that. I make him go first. Uh, if he doesn't do it well, I make him do it again. And there was a time I could see, like, I don't think he was, I think he felt like I was being too hard on him. And the next day I brought him in, uh, and I had typed out a message and I Google translate it to check, um, <laughs> because I didn't, I thought it was too important of a moment in our relationship um, for him to misunderstand what we are trying to do as a coaching staff. And I didn't want there to be lost in translation. Um, so there's been a few of those times with him and Kisikoff that I've, I've done that because I really wanted them to understand uh, what we are doing and what we are trying to help them become. Why didn't you just check with the rest of the Czech mafia instead of going to Google? I, you, you never know what Rusek's saying, you know, because uh, Rusek's <laughs> laughing and smiling a lot. And and there's some, you know, I think his nickname's the King of Prague. So, um, you know, <laughs> I love uh, it. I don't, I don't know if I, I want that, my my words being translated there. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so good. And I can totally see it. I, I've loved the way he carries himself oh, and I see the confidence. And yeah, he's got, he drips with swagger. He's yeah. got a great personality. He's so much yeah. fun to be around. Yeah. Hey, when you said a second ago, just about, you know, the you, kids now and, and kids before and, and holding to certain standards, do you think you're trying to hold kids to a higher standard or a, than what, let's say, we grew up in? Like, how, how do you view I'm just curious what you actually meant by it, like wh whether it's changed and whether where the standard is at and what you do expect from, from kids. Cause I, I ask it from the sense of, I feel like kids know more today than we could have ever known. Yes. But I don't know how that translates into your role when you're trying to help shape people and players. Well, I guess, I guess what I mean by kids these days, like I, I learned, I, I learned this, uh, I was at a coaching conference this is probably 15 years ago. And, and I think every generation says that, right? Kids these days, kids these days. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a Marine speaking and the Marine uh, didn't have a leg and, and lost his leg in, in war. Um, 
And he, he said, Hey, how many coaches say kids these days? And, you know, most people raise their hand, nod. And he's like, well, let me tell you about kids these days. And he listed off the three uh, Marines that were like 18, 20 and 21 that went into, uh, you know, shots being fired at them and pulled him to safety after he'd been injured. He's like, kids these days are the same. What we ask of them is different, you know? And, and, it really resonated with me. And I, I've, uh, I try to remind myself of that, um, that they, they are smarter. They do know more now. So they are different, um, in that, in those ways. Uh, but I think at heart, um, kids aren't a lot different in terms of, um, if, if they're held to a high standard and they're a good, if they're a good kid from a good family with a pretty good work ethic, and they're held to a high standard and they understand why they're being held to that standard. And they think the person holding them to that standard actually has their best interest in heart. I think they're going to, they're going to meet that standard. And so that's our job to create relationships with the kid, with these kids, these prospects where they trust us. Uh, so that's number one. And that's all of our job here, not just coaches that support staff, strength coach, all of it. Um, and that's our veterans. That's Mercy. And that's why we sign guys like Mercy and Malone and Prowl because there's such great presences in our room. Um, and then I'm trying to hold them to a standard. That's the national hockey league. Cause that's what they want to get to. And that's what the Sabres want them to get to. Um, so that's a high standard. Um, you're, you're trying to hold a player to the high, high standard standard of, of the top 0.01% hockey players in the world. And the only players that make the NHL and Marty knows this, he played, I didn't. Um, but what I've seen coach players that I've coached, Genetic freaks and overachievers, right? That, that that's the league. Seventy uh, percent of the league is genetic freaks, and then and then they work really hard as well. And if you're not a genetic freak, you better be an overachiever. And your habits and your detail and your work ethic have to be off the charts. Um, so we're we're trying to hold them to their that those standards. Um, and and I have those conversations with older players too. What are their goals? Is their goal just to score in the American League and, and keep getting contracts and extend their career? Or is their goal like Anders Bjork to get back to the NHL? Well, if, if, cause there's two different standards for that. Let's just be on the same page about it. If you just want to score in the American league, I'm not going to yell at you every time you don't finish a check or block a shot. But if you want to get back to the NHL, there, there's a different standard to that. Right. So um, Anders wanted to get back to the NHL. And so the standards high and, and credit to him, he, he reached it. And, and, and uh, it was really neat to see him have success the other night in Chicago. So I guess I am an overachiever because I can guarantee you I am not a genetic freak. So there you go. The 1% that's neither, maybe. But that maybe, yes. It was his brother. <laughs> yeah, my brother was a genetic freak at six foot seven and 240. Um, I'm, I, I wasn't an overachiever in a sense that I worked overly hard. Maybe I overachieved what I probably the, the the talent level that I was given or whatever, but maybe I'm the neater. Maybe I'm the exception to the rules set. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, you guys are in a playoff battle. So how does that standard, you say kids these days, most kids that are in the AHL and get to the NHL, they had success growing up. They played in state championship, national championships, college, uh, you know, tournaments and all of that. So how do you balance these young guys wanting to develop themselves skill-wise for the NHL, but also have that team aspect. We're in a playoff battle and combine the two. Yeah, we haven't talked about it until like the last week or so. Um, now it's that time. I think all year, 
you know, you're, you're, you're worried about development, team development, player development, more player than team. And, and I believe that better players equal a better team. Um, so your practices are designed that way. Um, you know, you're, you're sometimes, you know, in the American league, it's funny. Like sometimes you're rolling a lineup out or putting a kid on the ice and you're like, Oh man, I do not want to play him right now. You know, <laughs> but, but he needs to go through that and, and they fail in those moments sometimes and they succeed sometimes, but the failure is good too. They grow from that. Um, but now you are getting to that time of year where, where wins are critically important, making the playoffs important. The playoff run we had last year, the last 20 games, how important that was being in big games, getting enough wins to earn to get the right to the playoffs, then playing yeah. into three rounds. You know, I and you know, those are conversations we're just starting to have here now. Like what that does for your career. Like that probably helps cement JJ Paterka starting in the NHL this year with how good he played in the playoffs last year. That probably helped Mark Jankowski get back to the NHL in Nashville. That that help, probably helped our two roots align and get a big time contract and a lot of money in Europe. Like though it matters. And people are watching how you play at this time of the year down the stretch and then into the playoffs. And um, it means different things for different players for the, for the young prospects, they're trying to earn the right to, to get to Buffalo or for somebody else to acquire them so they can have a chance to play in the NHL for guys like Malone and, you know, Prow and Mersh and those guys there, they know that winning as leaders of a team helps extend their career and shelf life and how much they get paid in the American league. So uh, those are important things, and and we're going to try to seize those moments like we did last year. We just passed the trade deadline, and obviously at that same time, rosters have to be set moving forward for the AHL affiliates. Um, was there any discussion that anybody on Buffalo's current roster could be made available for an Amherst run? I mean, there was discussions about those things. I mean, Kevin, uh, Kevin's awesome and, and the, he's so transparent and we get to have communication up and down the organization, um, which is, you know, I think unique uh, from what I understand when I talk to other coaches. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, those were discussions, but I think it is also different when Buffalo's in a playoff race. Um, yeah. You don't want to do anything from a roster management that might impact those things mentally or physically. Um you know, and, and I think different from last year where Fitzy, Sammy, if he was healthy, Krebs, uh, those guys were Amherst, right? I mean, Sammy spent a year and a half with us. Uh, Fitzy spent two and a half years with us. Uh, Krebs started his uh, Buffalo career with us. Like, we're, the guys this year, it's been a little different. Those guys have been up, you know, pretty much all year. Um, you know, Pekka Lucan, I think played eight games for us, you know, and then he's been up and, and credit to them. That's awesome. So I think it was different this year. Uh, those guys and, and the guys up there have earned the right for it to be different, both in their individual play and how the Sabres are playing. So if you're a former goalie, uh, and I know maybe it's more like your own opinion and whatnot, but would you have liked to have seen maybe just a paper transaction for Lukanen and knowing that maybe, um, He'd had been available for you guys at some point, or do you say, no, you know what is development now is a hundred percent Buffalo. Like I remember being there, like when I got called up my third year and I was like, I'm Buffalo, I'm not Rochester anymore. I'm Buffalo. And my mindset was that like, what do you think knowing him the way you know him? Do you think it's that same mindset for him saying he's Buffalo now and forget about Roch? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's been, you know, 
his number of games and stuff maybe wasn't as high because some of the injuries he went through, but, mm-hmm. but he has, this was, he's had three years of, of pro um, he had COVID, he had injuries, things like that. So the numbers of games didn't look as high. Um, and then he's played really well. I mean, there's been some inconsistency, obviously that, that happens when you're a young goaltender, but he's played really well. There's a lot of times he's looked like the number one of a playoff caliber team in the national hockey league. Um, so I think his mindset is Buffalo and do everything I can to try to help this team make the playoffs, be fully invested where my feet are and all in. I also think he's such a good teammate and human and loved his time here. Like if, if Kevin would have done that, he would have, if, if he would have ended up getting come down for the playoffs, he would have handled it great. Um, but I, I could completely understand why we wouldn't want to put him in that position mentally. Um, they have a lot to be focused on up top right now. And it's a pretty exciting time for them as well. If we think back to training camp and preseason games and the message that was delivered seemingly by, um, everyone as camp broke for the Amherst was the players like Byro, Rusek, Weisbach, Murray, that they had done everything asked of them, that they were close. Now we find ourselves talking often about the young skill that's with the Sabres, the young skill that's with the Amherst. And I feel like these guys are all kind of right in the middle, but they're not old yet. And they're right there atop your scoring list. What is it like for players like them right now moving yeah. forward and still staring at that dream? It's a great question. Um, that's actually a really good question with something we've talked a lot about as a coaching staff, but also with management. Um, I think in a normal year, Sabres have had incredible health uh, at the forward position. And that's great. That's a good thing. Um, I think in a normal year, all four of those guys have had six to eight week stretches where they've their play has probably warranted a call up and it hasn't happened. And, and that that's hard in the American league. And because they know they, they know now what real hockey is and, and how good they're playing at times. And, um, and that, that little taste, that two games, that it's a measuring stick. It's a where, how close am I? Am I right there? Do I, what do I need to get better at? And, and it also provides hope, right. And hope's powerful. Um, it, it, it drives you at, at, at during, during hard times. So there's been, there's been, it's been hard at times that, for those four. Um, it's it required a lot of conversations, real honest uh, communication and feedback. Um, they've handled it as good as you could expect, but there's been some dips at times because I'm sure it can feel um, like there's no hope. Like what else? Byro had like eight straight games with multiple points. And he's also our best defensive forward. And, and you it's natural to think like, what else do I need to do? Right. Yeah. So um, we knew it was going to be a big year for those guys. We intentionally didn't oversign veterans to clear the way for those four to be the drivers of our team. That's asking a lot because they're all 23 ish years old, 24, and they've never been the drivers of a team in pro hockey. Um, and they've done a really good job. Uh, it hasn't been perfect. Uh, it never is, but uh, they have us in a playoff spot right now. And if we earn the right to be in the playoffs, those four are going to be a massive reason why, because when those four play well, we usually win. Um, and that's a, that's a healthy pressure they have on themselves. Um, and what we always tell them is, is yeah, you're trying to get to the Sabres, but there's 31 other organizations watching as well. And 
People are always watching. Anders Bjork got traded for, right? People are always watching how you're playing, how you're competing, what your body language is like. Um, and, you know, my job is to develop players for the Sabres. Um, but you're also trying to develop NHL players uh, because they, even if they don't become Sabres, they might become assets that lead to other things. Uh, and that's, that's the nature of pro hockey. But it, it has been uh, challenging at times. It also, the call-ups help those players, but they also help the whole locker room, right? Because mm -hmm. it felt like every game last year, but between COVID and injuries, it felt like every game I was walking in after the game, hey, so-and-so's going to the National Hockey League, everybody's snapping and cheering and hooting and hollering. And, and that's fun, and it provides life and hope for the whole group. And it just hasn't been as many of those moments this year, and that, that's been hard at times, yeah. Um. I always love three and three in the AHL. Um, you guys have a weird three and three coming up this uh, weekend. All three games at home. Um, don't oh, Saturday's have... on the road. Oh, Saturday's on the road. Sorry. Okay. Well, Saturday is, oh, yeah, at, if I could read, it's at Syracuse, but it's not far. Let's just pretend it's, it's, it's like. It's your second language. An hour. We'll, it's, we'll it's, it's like like a home game. But anyway, you can Google three Translate out. You know what? Where's the, yeah, where's the Czech translation for the schedule? Um <laughs> So, but you have three sets of three and three from now until the rest of the year. I love them as a goalie. And I always said, I want to play all three. Like you get in a role in a rhythm, play all three. What's the challenge for a coach? Like when it's three and three like that to keep the guys going. Um, and is it different uh, being behind the bench? Do you get tired behind the bench when you play three and three? <laughs> no, you do. Um, you get a little bit tired in terms of, uh, Just, you know, the amount of video you're watching and 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 then the American League, you're usually on a bus, right? So like last yeah. week we played home Friday or two weeks ago, home Friday, bus five hours through the middle of the night to Springfield. Well, we went to Albany and, you know, a little bit halfway, right? But then you're, you know, you're playing that night, then you bus an hour and a half to Providence and you play the next day. Like it, it's a, it's a grind. Um, and usually, as you know, Marty, you lived it. Uh, Sunday is more about what, what you're going to demand from yourself in your mind uh, than what your body has left, right? So um, you got to be mentally sharper. Um, it's harder to come back at the back end of a three and three. So getting up, like in that three and three, we got up on Providence early in that game and, and it was it was over. Um, you know, if you get down early in a game in the back end of a long trip or a three and three, those are hard games to come back from. So I think your mental sharpness and then your readiness in the first period Uh, to not let the game get out away from you uh, is critical uh, as the as the weeks get longer. Yeah, that was your 20 goal weekend. My goodness, oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm man. a smarter I'm a smarter coach when we score 20 goals in three games and when our goalies are at 92. Like it's amazing how smart of a coach I am when when we average six yeah. goals a game and our goalies save 92 of the shots. Who takes so, more of the credit for the outbursts? Is it Becca or Weber? Which one of the assistants takes more of the credit when you guys scored that many goals? Staggy. Staggy, okay. <laughs> the, the, shit, the skates are sharp and the sticks are good. <laughs> That's all on yeah, him. You're only okay. as good as your tools, says every carpenter, right? That's uh, right. Um, <laughs> is there something, though, that you see? Like, here we are, 19 games to go, and you've just had – significant swings, 20 goal weekends, and then a really challenging week. What are you guys at your best? And what are you most optimistic about here in this final 19 games? Yeah. You know, I, I actually didn't mind how we played last week. We just, we, we should have beat Laval on Friday. We had, we we're up three to one, 10 minutes ago. We just didn't finish it off. 
Um, and we significantly outplayed Belleville, um, like significantly. And, and it just was one of those nights that, um, you know, there, the couple pucks went in our net that probably you, you didn't want and their goalie made some saves and we had some posts. So I think at our best, we're, we're, we're a fast competitive puck pressure team that puts our opponents in some really uncomfortable spots with the speed of which we can attack, but also the speed of which we can apply pressure when we don't have it. Um, that's how we have to play. We're not big enough, strong enough, old enough, mature enough to kind of play a slower, steady game. Um, we're not, we don't have enough of, of that to, to sit back and play a lot of D zone coverage. So when we struggle, we're a little passive and we probably spend too much time in our own zone. Um, and, and we're not attacking as much. So at our best, we're a fast, aggressive, uh, puck pressure team. Um, I, I'll end my questioning, my line of questioning after the blunder I, I did in the three on three, uh, last one, uh, with, uh, goaltending last year, like Malcolm Subban was such a great story in Buffalo. Obviously he came up, got hurt, battled through that injury through the game, right? A broken arm needed surgery and still stayed in the game. And he sang the national anthem the last game of the season. It was like, all like, wow, like this guy can do everything. How is he and uh, Michael Hauser been? We know Hauser from also playing in Buffalo a bunch of games last year. Of the two have been, and uh, you know the back and forth that you've been able to use with your two netminder. Yeah, I mean all things considered, when you look at that, Oopi's been gone after the first eight games of the season. Um, they've they've been really good. Um, Subban hasn't. This is the most games Subban's played in like six years because he's either been injured. COVID or NHL backup playing, you know, 15 to 20. Yeah. Um, and now he's a number one. And I think he's up to like 27, 28 starts right now. So, uh, you know, that it's a great thing for him to, to have that. He he went through a really strong stretch of uh, about a 10, 12 game stretch where he was, he was outstanding. Um, he, he hasn't been as sharp as he was then in, in, in of late, but, but the beauty of Subs unbelievable teammate elite work ethic like he probably didn't like his week last week in terms of his performance on on Wednesday and Saturday uh and we practice hard and and our practices are competitive and fast and he was the last guy off the ice today like he stayed out it was a 45 minute practice 50 maybe and he got a lot of shots in practice he stayed on while the, at the young guys did skill work and took shots there and then he stayed on by himself and was doing extra work. And, and I point that out because I love that his answer to, to a, a bad week is to just work harder. And that's such a great example for himself, but also for the young players around him. So, uh, and then Hauser's been, been house cat. He's awesome. The guys love him. Uh, they love, they feel good with him in net uh, no matter playing great that night, not playing great that night. You feel good with him in your net. Cause you know, he's going to battle, you know, he's a great teammate. He's going to compete. Uh, and I think he's given us really, really strong play this year. Did they at least send you a bobblehead from Cincy on Hauser's bobblehead night when he wasn't there? Michael Desch <laughs> has one in the training room and it is proudly yes. displayed, um, which is awesome. And, and uh, he was, we, we were laughing about that. I think, I, yeah, I think the night that was the bobblehead night, he had a great night in Springfield. He went like 36 out of 37. And and we laughed about it. it made sense since it was your bobblehead night that you had a had a big time game. So I love that. I love uh, that. So yeah, I, honestly, he's 
they're all, I mean, incredibly, they're, they're people that you root for, you know, the, the guys you just spoke of in the crease. And I think that's gotta be really nice to have as a coach. So they are they're, they're you know, um, Sean Malone and I were talking about that after practice today. And, and he's like, you just, they both work so hard. They're both such great teammates. They're easy to root for. And that's yeah. exactly what he said. And that that's, that's, uh, you know, w- when your teammates feel that way about you, that really helps, uh, galvanize the group. You ever Very tried good. to score a goal? Wait, I just want to finish with that. You ever tried to score a goal? Like we yes. saw Pyotr Kuchekov the other day and the miners do it. Lena Solmark did it. So you, you tried? I have failed obviously because you're not on my list. I was very poor at stopping the puck. Um, but I was pretty decent at playing it. And, uh, so I would roam around a lot and uh, a little, maybe, you know, LaRon Hextall ish, um, without the fights. Um, and, uh, I was told one game at Ferris, uh, one of our really good defensemen, Andy Roach, who ended up playing a little bit in the NHL, skated back to me, and I turned a bunch over, I think, that game. And he's like, uh, Coach Daniels told me to tell you to stay the F in your net. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you you and I maybe share something, because one time for Christmas, J.P. Dumont got me a dog leash and some Velcro to tie to the post <laughs> so I wouldn't get out of my crease. So, see, we had something in common, said I love it. Uh, you stopped it a lot better than I did. I know that. Who Who's your favorite puck handling goalie then of all time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? It's, it's funny. Um, it's not going to be an NHL goalie. Uh, there was a kid at Michigan state named Chad Elbin and, and he wasn't a great pro cause he was small, but he, he was so elite at handling the puck. He's the first goalie that I would see like toe drag it back around the net and go set up behind the net. And then if you went into their defenseman in each corner, he would just step out and snap it to the center and high in the middle of the ice and send them out on a breakout. It was, he was spectacular. Uh, So uh, as good as some of the NHL goalies were and are at it, uh, I remember being blown away at Chad Elbin and how great he was playing the puck at Michigan state. Man. That's was a great Turco answer. Michigan. Uh, no, Turco was Turco, Michigan. Oh, yeah. yeah, I played against Turco two of the years. He was outstanding as well. Uh, Those he, have been. He's the first one I I saw turning the glove over. Like he and Martin Gerber would turn the glove over and snap it. Like for us, it was like holding it. Like you have a big oven mitt and you try to put your glove and your stick in there. Uh, they would turn it around. Now every goalie does the turn around. Like they yeah. snap it. Yeah. Marty could really snap it. He was very, he was very good playing it also. Mm-hmm. He just Bradford. didn't need to as much because Michigan is usually in our end zone the whole time. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so was Dallas. They gave up like 17 <laughs> shots on goal. Freddie Brathwaite was pretty darn good too. You yeah, probably remember that. Oh yeah. He had the long stick. He had the longest stick for being a small goalie. Longest That's amazing. Stick. All right, uh, Seth, thank you as always, and uh, best of luck down the stretch. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No dirty bird or angry bird stories <laughs> thinking back to last year and JJ Paterka and the coaching staff, but still amazing stuff from Seth as always. Just incredible scope and perspective and attachment that a coach feels to individual players and the team. And obviously, look, sports is about fandom, right? People are fans of the Sabres. They're fans of the Amherst. They're fans of the next wave of players. We're living in a really current and fun era with all this youth, but there's still more coming here, Marty. So after talking with Seth and after seeing what we've seen all year long, how are you looking at Buffalo's prospect pool and uh, perhaps the ones you're 
most excited about building a list as far as next man up type? I've got a little list going, Duffer, and it is a deep list. It's not as easy as to come up and say, well, there's only five prospects. Let's rank all of them. There's a lot more than just five. So obviously, number one, I've got Matt Savoy. I think that you know he's gone back to juniors, but he's still number one on my list. The energy, the dynamic uh, play that he has, he's there. Devin Levi is number two. I really am intrigued to see what he does turning pro and where his path takes him. Uh, Yuri Kulik is number three, and I like what he's done. And the shot alone, Seth talked about his NHL shot. I think that's going to push him a little bit closer to the top there. Number four, Isaac Roseanne. Um, look, I, it's been a learning process for him, but he's got all the tools. And I just think some more experience will get him there. Number five, because we got to add a defenseman in the list, Ryan Johnson. And he's been coming back kind of like on the, well, there's a chance he's going to sign the Sabres uh, and move forward with the organization. So um, so I put him in there. A couple of, you know, just didn't make the list. Lucas Rusak, I think, is mm-hmm. going to be really good. And Linus Weisbach, not talked about enough. I really, I've liked him from the first time in prospect camp. His speed, his ability to play the game, I think he'll be really good as well. Well, the one thing about the guy at the top of your list and Matt Savoy, um, he has just been on such an incredible tear the last few months in most recently 13 points in his last five games with Winnipeg in the WHL that has vaulted him back up to or up to fifth in league scoring. And he was a long ways beyond that at Christmas time. So 26 points in his last 13 games. It's a beautiful average is that elite junior team looks to close out their season and roll into the playoffs with a magical run towards the Memorial cup. Our thanks to Seth Appert, Marty, thank you as well. And folks, we'll see you soon on Sabres live over the time. 